0: Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Opperman, Jacob Recht rocking along here on a Friday for the Steelers Standard. Steel- Jacob Opperman,
1: Tom Recht.
0: Did I say that? No. Oh, okay. Why would you do that? You made <laughs> me think like I, I messed up right off the bat in the early early uh, mornings. But we got Steelers. Friday
1: morning, you know, we're in good spirits. I gotta keep it light
0: maybe try a little harder than okay Steelers Seahawks this Sunday at Heinz Field let's take a little gander at the injury report to kick things off here on this episode Ben Roethlisberger full practice obviously didn't practice Wednesday with his veterans day off Ben's day he always sits out on Wednesdays Melvin Ingram the third was a full practice after not practicing on Wednesday it was not injury related same thing with Trey Turner full practice again on Wednesday Part of the wide receivers, hamstring for Chase Claypool. Limited practice both Wednesday and Thursday. James Washington limited both Wednesday and Thursday with a groin injury. Need those two back. Healthy, especially James Washington after the injury to Juju. Uh, Three gentlemen who were full participants on Thursday's practice, Cam Hayward Cam Sutton and Devin Bush. So great signs from all three. Of those guys, Cam Hayward was limited on Wednesday, but I think that was more just a maintenance kind of thing, making sure that neck stays somewhat healthy enough that he can continue to keep playing with a slight injury there. Uh, big surprise that's not really impactful as far as on the field is concerned, or if it was going to be impactful as far as on the field is concerned, then the Steelers were in trouble anyway. But Akella Witherspoon uh, did not practice on Thursday. It was a coach's decision. And it's very surprising for a coach's decision to not have a really fringe guy practice. Those I guess that those means guys that are battling for helmets on Sundays, I mean, they want to practice on Wednesdays and Thursdays. That might be the only action they get all week long.
1: I guess that means something personal?
0: Or they're just not very happy with something that may be disciplinary. I don't know. It's all speculative at this point, but the two that are, are the, the main ones... It's Chase Claypool and James Washington. And Claypool played, obviously, last week against the Broncos. Big performance, over 120 yards through the air. Big touchdown. An amazing catch and run on a slant route from Ben Roethlisberger that really showcased his speed. It was a really complete game from Chase Claypool. Uh I He was so. He was dealing with a hamstring injury leading into that. Uh, he was sidelined by the injury just a week prior to that looks like he'd play in my mind just because he played last week and I don't see what setback he could have faced I think his limited practice status more is more precautionary you just lost number nineteen for the year you don't want to risk no need to guy. You know, exacerbate a hamstring throughout a full week of practice just especially let when him take James, it easy
1: especially when James Washington too is was also dealing with an injury you don't want to Just keep depleting your guys.
0: Yeah, James Washington with that groin injury, and that's the one that you're more questionable about because he, of course, did not play against the Denver Broncos because of that groin, and he has been limited in both Wednesday and Thursday sessions of practice this week. So it doesn't look like the train's on the tracks for James Washington to be out there Sunday. Now, we don't know what the statuses are today as we sit here in the morning, practice not being until the afternoon if you see James Washington as a limited participant in practice, or even worse, he's probably a for sure goner for Sunday's game. Hopefully, you see that FP next to his name on Friday's practice report, and he's a go for Sunday because they need him to step up into that number three spot now.
1: I don't even know if limited is going to be the end of the world. I think you're if, right. If, if it's a DNP, then if we're, it's DNP, then F'd. you know, yeah. you know, it's. It's bad news for James Washington. However, limited practices is, aren't always bad. That's kind of just saying, let's not push you over the edge before we take the field on Sunday night. So it's 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 hard because we just see these designations, right? We don't know. We're not there seeing exactly what they're doing. And the people who are there, the media that gets uh, access to practice, aren't allowed to say, well, James Washington was, was doing X, Y, and Z. That's Not allowed by the NFL and by the team, so it's hard to gauge exactly how limited James Washington was during practice, and if it was another limited practice again today why that was a why that would be the case right, right because, because we
0: can't hear what happens at practice they can't report right, that's, on all we can I, see I is said, this little practice report as i said
1: yeah. limited practice can mean a, mere a million things. things a million things so it wouldn't kill me to see limited practice if it meant in reality that it was just to make sure he's good to go for sunday
0: absolutely it could mean that but it could also mean the opposite right and here's an example of that and we're going to get to the seahawks uh, practice report in a little bit here, but Russell Wilson.
1: Uh, this is mind blowing, Tom. I don't know. I don't know. What's well, exactly? What, what, I a, thought I was dreaming. I thought I read it wrong. Well, What's exactly? Saw what, that I think it's exactly Russell what Russell Wilson was limited practice. Limited think, practice participant for the Seahawks. It's yesterday. exactly
0: what you just said, Jacob. Limited practice can mean a million different things. That could literally just mean that he stood back there and caught a couple passes from the center as they did walkthroughs around him. You know what I mean? Like, it could mean a billion different things. But, yeah, it's surprising to see that LP pop up next to Wilson's name. He's not playing on Sunday. No I have friends
1: asking me, is it possible he plays? I go, there's no No. way.
0: Well, they didn't put him on IR, so he can really come back whenever he's ready. But there's just no way.
1: The the, the, – Diagnosis was what, six, to eight, six to eight weeks. And you're telling me he's going to come back and play the very next week? I don't think that's possible. He's not going to play the very next week. He will
0: be back before that six week window, though. Holy
1: crap. It scared the bleep out of me when I saw that he was. Even a limited participant in practice. No, it's. More, I think
0: it's an example of what you're trying to illustrate with James Washington. A limited practice could mean anything. It could mm-hmm. literally just mean that he was out there in shoulder pads and a helmet just walking around the field. You don't, like T.J. Watt was during training camp. Yeah, you just don't know what that could mean. But uh, for James Washington, we hope that a limited practice means that he was working himself back into game shape because... It's time now for him to step up big time. You know, at the beginning of the, the training camp period, heading into preseason, it was starting to emerge that there was talk from James Washington's camp that he wanted out of Pittsburgh. He wanted uh, to go to a team that's going to give him a bigger role in their offense. Felt, a bigger role. F- felt like he was buried in this offense, in this depth chart at the wide receiver spot. And now... This is the main reason why you do not trade a guy like James Washington if you're Colbert because injuries happen all the time in the NFL, and unfortunately you've been struck by a season-ending injury to one of your wide receivers as Juju goes down with the shoulder injury. So, yeah, here's your opportunity, James Washington. You were clamoring for it at the beginning of the season. Get me out of here. Get me on a team that's going to use me more so I can showcase my abilities. Well, the Steelers are now going to need you, so it's time for you to showcase your abilities here in the black and gold.
1: Absolutely, and I think that between uh, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool, James Washington has the best chance to emulate the game of Juju Uh, Smith-Schuster. Juju's a little bit taller, but I think they're pretty much the same size uh, in terms of muscle mass, so James Washington is also a speedy guy similar to Juju, so... It's not. It shouldn't be hard for James Washington to assume that role. Let Deontay do his thing from the slot or cross routes and let, let Chase Claypool be your designated deep ball guy, and then you can allow James Washington to fill that hole that James that Juju did such a good job of by getting you those short yardages, being the guy to, to tuck the shoulder and, and lean with his helmet to, to, to kind of break a tackle or two. I think James Washington can do that.
0: That's you know, interesting. Jerry Dulak was on uh, the Mark Madden show earlier this week with us, and he said James Washington, in his mind, is the most athletic of wow. the wide receivers in, really? the, in the group. And you know what? It kind of makes sense when you think of it from a pedigree standpoint. I mean, obviously, Chase Claypool went to Notre Dame. I mean, it don't get much better than that when no, you get recruited to college. it certainly wasn't
1: Deontay who...
0: Toledo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But even though Claypool was at Notre Dame, big school, bigger-name player, second-round draft pick, James Washington was one of the best receivers in college football. I think he won the Blitnikoff award. I, I don't I, remember Mason Rudolph and his connection at Oklahoma state. Was unstoppable. It's unworldly. They yeah. put up like 55 points a game. Like, yeah, his status as far as a star in the nation's eyes, if you were a college football fan was way higher than the Claypools mm-hmm. And obviously Deontay and even Juju to some extent out of USC. Juju really didn't explode onto the scene until he was a NFL player. Um, But, yeah, James Washington, you know, Oklahoma State, one of the better receivers in the entire nation, had that national recognition. It just hasn't translated into the NFL for whatever reason. Maybe that's because the opportunities were never there. He already jumped into a crowded receiving room when he was drafted by the Steelers, and that room has just gotten more crowded as time went on. But this is your golden opportunity now, though, and you you should have your feet well wet as far as life in the NFL is concerned right now. This is, what, his fourth year? Yeah, in the league? so I, it's time to put up or shut up now. it's If you go out there and you play really well, contribute as a number three option in the receiving core, then you're going to have a pretty nice career ahead of you in the NFL. But if you go out there and you struggle for these next, what is it, oh, 13 weeks or so, mm-hmm. not only are the Steelers probably going to move on from you, but – your options on the open market are going to be few and far between as well. So this, this is make it or break it time, I think, for Mister James Washington.
1: I think so too. And I did go back and look it up. He did won the Blitnikoff Award. There you go, in best receiver in college. Yeah, I mean that's with so many guys who play at such bigger schools than Oklahoma State. Not to take anything away from that. Uh, that Chase and Juju, right yeah. there. USC and Notre Dame. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than those. Two. No, but you have guys with such pedigree coming out of 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 big power five schools that Toledo it's always always a crowded field to win that award. And and he and he did. So I do think I actually never thought of that, that it's probably the only Steeler ever to win that award. I mean, it's only Mm. what, 25 years old, Mm. that designation. But that's an interesting take. I think you're right, too, based on I think I'm right, the short
0: lifespan of that award. Yeah. Who would have won it for the, you know, Antonio Brown wasn't on the map. No, certainly not. I mean, so. Heinz Ward was a quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) So was Randall L. Right. What's up with all these quarterbacks that were making wide receivers?
1: I mean, the was made good use of both
0: of those. (laughs) I think it was the right move. Specifically
1: on one play in the Super Bowl, but (laughs) getting back to James Washington, I actually never given given that much thought. I didn't think
0: that either until Jerry said that the other day, but
1: he's right. I think he is. uh, Jerry's right about a lot of things, but when you
0: think about it, obviously it's subjective who's a better athlete but I, it's not a far-fetched thing for him to say it's i mean you, that he was
1: the best athlete coming of this out group of school and of this group right, right. now
0: right and I, I think that oh, that's, no, that's, that's impossible yeah that's what i meant uh looking at the defensive backs cam sutton full practice both wednesday and thursday he is on the right track to play and that's a huge addition to the lineup for the even team. though
1: james pierre had the superman moment the 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 Sports Illustrated cover moment for him on, on on the last play of the game or the last play for Denver uh, on su- last Sunday, it's still going to be a, a, a huge reassurance to have Cam Sutton out there because as you s- have said, Tom, multiple times, mm-hmm. James Pierre and Justin Lane and, and, and Trey Norwood, those guys are great when called upon for one player. Good. Or, Let's not say great. Yeah, yeah. Go, okay. <laughs> Let's they, not go too they're, far. They're capable. Uh, yeah. when they're when you're called upon yeah. for one drive or or a, or a handful of plays, not when Cam Sutton is out or James Pierre is struggling or, or Joe Hayden is getting tired and they're asked to play for not even a majority of snaps but a significant amount of snaps.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think this Steelers secondary is pretty solid when it's fully healthy and your top two dogs are Hayden and Sutton and then – you can kind of just go with who the hot hand is. You put Norwood in the slot because he's having a good game. That's fine. You put Pierre out there in the slot. That's fine too. You know, you just kind of shuffle guys in and out based on who you think's having a good game, who's fresher at that point in the game, and it works really well. The second you take just one of those cogs out of the equation, and honestly, you can take a Pierre or a Lane or a Norwood out and be fine. But it's when you take one of the top two dogs, the Sutton. Or the Hayden. We've seen both of them be out at different points this season. You just get overextended in that secondary. And James Pierre, I think it's fair to say that the Steelers are very high on this guy and that they do envision a future where he's one of the top two corners, never leaves the field on the outside for this team. But just your second year as an undrafted rookie free agent, I mean, it's like Tomlin said after the the game on Sunday – Pierre got an education in life as a cornerback in the NFL, and that's what all year's going to be. And I'd rather him get that education in a lesser role, you know, filling in in the nickel, jumping in for Sutton on a couple plays when he needs a blow, than being the number two guy and really overextending himself. Obviously, the talents there made that great interception against Bridgewater. Yeah. To seal the victory against Denver, but from his mistake also gave up the big ball to Cortland Sutton right. that put Denver right back in the game. so up and down for the second year undrafted rookie and just to put it back to what we started with, yeah, it, it, if the secondary is fully healthy, I think it is an above average secondary in the NFL. the second you take one of the two starters out of there at the cornerback position, uh, I think you start to drop off pretty dramatically,
1: yeah, I think so too and. That's something we've been talking about all season long, all off season long, is the lack of depth behind the starters. You have faith in the guys that are that don't extend beyond Hayden, Sutton, Pierre, right? For your cornerbacks. Beyond that, that's where it starts to get shaky. But as long as you have them Even out if there,
0: Pierre's up playing more, I I it gets super shaky, yeah. Right.
1: Just because We don't know exactly if he's capable of doing that. He hasn't given us really a a, a true tale sign if he's ready for something like that. And as you said, Tom, he got burned on that Cortland. It was a great diving effort by Cortland Sutton. Let's not take anything away from his effort on that play. But James Pierre did let him get him, did let him get by him. And it wasn't the first time we've seen James Pierre get burned for a long touchdown. I believe it was James Pierre covering Jamar Chase against the Bengals allow that long touchdown so we know he has some coverage issues but we also know he's capable of learning from his mistakes yeah. absolutely and that's
0: a great thing to see and and not just learning from his mistakes but doing it almost immediately mm-hmm. you know he didn't sulk he didn't put his head down you know it wasn't a okay i'll watch film all week and then the next game i'll make up for my mistake no he made up for his mistake the next series you know that's great bounce back and that's it's exactly the kind of mentality you want to see from an NFL player. At least I mean, James
1: it, Pierre read that ball better than Beautifully.
0: If anything, you can check the box that James Pierre's got the right mentality, that he's yes. got the NFL mindset, that he can make it in this league. Because he's got the
1: memory of a goldfish, right? He's the like memory of a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Be a
0: goldfish, James Pierre, and you were. Uh, one injury that's a little, I don't want to say underrated, I don't think that's the right word, but one that I think is off the radar that I think is more impactful than most people might give it credit for is the Carlos Davis injury. I agree. I think behind Alu Alu and Tuit, obviously, he's the guy. You know what I mean? Like when, when one of those two were going to go down, I think Davis was the next one that was going to jump in, and he played pretty decently well against the Bills. Uh, Williamson, Matt Williamson, our colleague, says he's a really good athlete as far as the defensive tackle is concerned, and the Steelers really like him. But his availability has been a question since that week one win against Mm -hmm. Buffalo. Uh, Limited practice, again, both Wednesday and Thursday with a knee. Uh, Mike Prezuta was speculating this last night on the Steelers preview show. It it might be getting to that time where we're done with Carlos Davis for the year. He just can't seem to work himself back. The only thing I'd say is they're not putting him on IR for a reason. So They 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 feel there's some optimism that maybe after the bye week you get Davis back you start getting some reinforcements on that defensive line but you know Bugs and Wormley they're just they're not doing anything wrong it's just exactly who they are mm-hmm. that they can just be single blocked and and Loudermilk can kind of get thrown into that category as well it'd be non-factors, well. it'd be non-factors. you needed a guy like Davis to come we needed a guy like two in Alu, but at the very least you need someone
1: like Davis who's been showing some flashes and just hasn't been when able you're to stay only, healthy. When it's you're a little only, upsetting that he's yeah, not healthy. When you're only left with Cam Hayward out of your three defensive linemen, you need someone like him to step up. And we think he's capable of doing that, just as you said and as Persuda said. It just doesn't seem like he can. I don't know
0: when it's going to happen. It's every week. It's limited or not practicing. And and finally, Devin Bush, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. I know he left the game against Denver, a little dinged up. Looks like he's going to be back to start this one. Devin Bush has had a couple games now where he hasn't been able to finish the whole thing, but at least it hasn't kept him out for long term.
1: Yeah, you're right. And I think given that it's now been six weeks, we're starting to see consistent sacks, consistent quarterback pressures from him. Uh, the 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 past coverage is still a little shaky, but this is right about the time last year where we said, "Oh man, Devin Bush is getting into it. He, he he's worked himself back into game shape, especially last year with with no offseason. It re- you really needed that time for him to to readjust to the game. And, and just as importantly, this year with his season-ending injury being suffered last year, you you got to give him some time. And it's I think a little bit promising to see that he's starting to make himself known in the backfield for opposing offenses. I think now that we're in week six, this could be the time where we really start to see Devin Bush unfold and really reemerge as one of those better better cover inside linebackers.
0: Uh, obviously, if you've been paying attention to the Steelers, listening to all of our lovely shows and podcasts, you know the Steelers haven't been blitzing that much this year. They've Not been right. really successful on the Devin Bush blitzes, though. Two sacks that I can very clearly see in my right. head right now off that Devin Bush blitz. So that's an aspect of the game I like. I think I'd, I'd like to see them blitz a little bit more and Against use that Devin Bush blitz. Against two mobile quarterbacks,
1: too. Let's keep in mind, I mean, yeah. we, we know that in the Green Bay game, one lasting image you talk about picturing clearly in your head was Aaron Rodgers on his rushing touchdown looking behind to see <laughs> if T.J. Watt was actually going to catch him. Moonwalking in the end Almost in zone. disbelief that he yeah. was able to outrun him. That that was not the case for Devin Bush, and when he had his blitz against the Broncos last week, he kept that hand up there in case for the pass was coming, which was a smart move by him. But Teddy Bridgewater was just unable to kind of kind of look like a deer in headlights. Teddy Bridgewater when Bush Devin is Bush so was fast, coming. yeah. I mean when he's got a clean he always lane. looked like he slowed down because he was waiting for Teddy Bridgewater to put a move on him. Yeah, I think that's... and he just kept running backwards. Teddy was and, and Devin just caught up with him.
0: Yeah, I like that blitz a lot. I'd like to see them keep using that. I'd like to see them blitz more in general. I think that
1: mm-hmm. it's—, it's a, weird to see them not blitz so much. Well, I
0: think it was a good idea at the beginning of the year when you were fully healthy to just rush four because you could do it. And maybe you can go back to that when two, It's back in the fold and you've mm-hmm. got Hayward, two, it, Highsmith, Slash, Ingram, and Watt being, being the DJ. four. Sure. But I think with all the injuries on the front and it just being Hayward and Watt and Highsmith and Ingram haven't stepped up that greatly— mm-hmm. I think you got a blitz. I, I just think you need to, in order to supplement your pass rush, you need to get more pressure. And I think blitzing—I mean, splitzberg for a reason. They're one of the best blitzing teams. Keith Butler's one of the best blitzing defensive coordinators in the NFL. Time to start using that a little bit more. Uh, wrapping up this episode by looking at some pretty interesting Seahawks on the injury report. Chris Carson obviously did not play against the Rams last Thursday. He had a little extra time to try to get back, but it doesn't look like he will be available this Sunday either did not practice both Wednesday and Thursday with a neck injury. Uh, That means Alex Collins and DJ Dallas will be the running backs for the Seahawks. Um, Chris Carson's
1: not a world beater in his own right, but it's definitely a drop-off going to Collins slash Dallas. And it's also a significant drop-off when you have Carson available to you, but it's not Russell Wilson with him. Right. Right. That's such a dangerous rushing offense when you have, Probably the best mobile quarterback, second most, the second best mobile quarterback behind Lamar Jackson. Third, Josh Allen. Mm, oh, yeah. Russell Wilson's faster though. He ain't hurdling people like Josh Allen was. That's he doesn't truck stick like Josh Allen. Does, I put Josh Allen in front of him, but go on. Very mobile quarterback. Anyways, good we know, running. We know game. where he's. Sta- we know what he's capable of, and I think Chris Carson's game really takes a step backward when you remove Russell Wilson from the equation. But if you don't have Russell Wilson and you don't have Chris Carson that running game i think is going to be obsolete basically i of think the
0: entire team takes a giant step back oh, well, without course. russell I mean, wilson we, we
1: talked about previously earlier this week how um how reliant this team is on russell wilson that that the whole team's success hinges on that we know how bad the defense is and they were still winning games because they had russell wilson
0: Bobby Wagner, the face of that Seahawks defense, one of the best middle linebackers in football, gonna go to the Hall of Fame one yeah, day. Yeah, I'd
1: say probably right now still one of the best, even though he's getting older.
0: I talked about that to with Williamson on our advanced scout podcast. Uh he said probably not number 1 or number 2 in the NFL right now. Still elite, but just he's getting up there. So he's starting to lose the But he did say between him and Luke Kuechly, those two have been the best linebackers we've seen since Ray Lewis in this
1: league linebacker Wagner yeah. and Keekley. Yeah. Yeah. Have I have been, no, pr- I've, I, I would not argue that point.
0: He's got a knee injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. He was limited Thursday. So he's getting back on the right track. That kind of strikes me as more of he's a veteran. Maybe the knees bothering him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think I expect Bobby Wagner to play has not missed a snap all season long for the Seattle Seahawks on defense. Jeez. Him and Jamal Adams have not come off the field once all year. So I'd expect to see number fifty-four patrolling that middle of the defense, and that's huge for. Uh, it's tough for the Steelers obviously because he's elite, but that's bigger I think for the mm-hmm. Seahawks because he's going to have his hands full with Najee Harris all day long. So if Wagner wasn't able to go, Seattle's got no hope to stop number twenty-two. That's got to be the matchup that you start to, to look for right? a thousand times. Circle Bobby Wagner matchup. versus Najee Harris. So good for the Seahawks, honestly, that Wagner's
1: looking yeah, like he's going to that, That's got to be a, a, a breath of relief, a huge sigh of relief for them. You ready for the interesting one? You sure. ready for the one that's got me doing
0: the old Dwayne the Rock Johnson eyebrow lift? DK Metcalf, foot, limited practice Wednesday, did not practice Thursday.
1: If there, hey. if there is a chance that hey. DK Metcalf... Does not play on Sunday night. You're telling me that singularly Tyler Lockett is going to beat this Steelers team. Uh, I don't think so.
0: Freddie Swain is going to step up as the yeah. Freddie Swain and Alex
1: Collins. Yeah, those two are are going to be the coach. See, that's the thing. That's that's the Steeler way: is that they focus, they put all their attention on Tyler Lockett. And that allows Freddie Swain to eat. That allows Alex Collins to have a good day. you got to be holding your breath if you're a Seahawk fan, if
0: DK Metcalf is going in the wrong direction as far as mm-hmm. the practice reports are concerned. Obviously, nothing is written in stone. Uh, later this afternoon, much later this afternoon, when the Seahawks wrap up their Friday practice, maybe he comes out as an FP. Maybe he's a full practice participant, and maybe it was just some maintenance day. But I don't know. I, I think that you start limited on Wednesday – You get downgraded on Thursday. You're not optimistic, I think, if you're the coaching staff, Mm -hmm. that things are going to dramatically switch directions, do a 180, and he'll be ready to go on Sunday night. But no Carson, no Wilson, and potentially no DK Metcalf. I mean, the team's cooked, right? You'd think so. Absolutely. I mean,
1: what, you're going to, as I said earlier, you're going to let Tyler Lockett and Tyler Lockett alone beat you? It's it
0: seems impossible, and it, I don't it, think it's possible. And it's not even a case of, well, the Seahawks defense can keep him in the game because they're the wor- one of the it's worst. It's the worst in football. defense in football. So like, the pressure is almost building even more if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler because to win the, this game, it's, it's so inexcusable. It's if you drop it, up, if right. you drop this
1: game, it's the most inexcusable loss, loss of in the season, a long time. If you follow the two and four no one's going to be talking about oh how you wasted an opportunity against the Bengals and the Raiders it's going to be how did you lose at home to a Russell Wilson less Chris Carson less DK, Mac- F- DK Metcalf? potentially DK less. potentially DK and the worst defense in football
0: yeah it would be egregious in fact it's getting to the point now where you know this next four game stretch is so big Steelers will be favored in three of the four games the only one not in Cleveland after the bye week for obvious reasons uh this game with all the injuries, I'm almost putting that them above Lions and Bears as far as most winnable game. I think this is the most yes, winnable game
1: because at least the Lions and Bears should be at full throttle, at full health for the most part.
0: The Lions are a weird one too because they're bad. Don't get me wrong, but they've they, almost they've all been in every game.
1: Have been close. Like, the only one I think that wasn't close was Green Bay. Was the Green Bay game. You could
0: literally make a case for them to be a three and two football team. At the very least, if a little bit of luck is on their side, they're two and three, and they beat the Ravens and they beat the Vikings. And they last beat the Vikings, week. yeah. Right. So it's not exactly like the Jaguars. You know what I mean? Like Where I don't, They're just being. You just, steamrolled by. Yeah, everyone. you just lay down when they walk in the stadium. Like you're gonna get a game from the Lions. They're not very good all the way around, so you could probably beat them even when they give you their best, but you're going to get a game. Chicago with Justin Fields, they're kind of up in the air. You don't know what they're going to look like by the time they come into Heinz. Mm. Seattle, man, these injuries and that terrible defense. I mean, it's. I hate to be like this, but it's almost a lock. It almost has to be a lock.
1: Uh, sorry, I also forgot about the 49ers game for the Lions. That was also. Kind yeah, of but a they up. came back at the they end. They did come back, yeah, you're right. But I do think. The greater point to be made here is that you were looking at at the stretch of games, not before the bye week, but before the the harder schedule came, the, the latter half of the schedule came.
0: The impossible stretch.
1: Right, where it starts with the Chargers and the Titans and the Vikings and the Ravens twice and the Bang- Bengals and Browns again, and the Chiefs thrown in there at one point. A lot of hard teams to play, a lot of playoff teams that you're going to have to face up against. And... You were th- you were thinking to yourself, okay, best case scenario, probably two and six, right? And now that's not the case. Now you're thinking best case scenario is probably best case scenario is if you win that Cleveland game, that's five and three.
0: I, I think if you win the Cleveland game, that that's insane. I don't know if you do that though. I, I think that you have to be five and four heading into Sunday night football. Against the Chargers in LA. Uh, You have to be. If you want any semblance of hope, if you want any kind of buy in from the team, from the fan base, that you can steal a couple wins in this murderer's row stretch and sneak your way into that number seven seed, you got to be five and four. You've already dug yourself enough of a hole by losing the Raiders and the Bengals games at home earlier in the Mm -hmm. year. You can't afford to be four and five. You can't afford to, God forbid, be three and six heading into that murderer's stretch starting with the chargers if it's not five and four if it's anything but five and four i think it's pretty safe to say the season's probably over even though you'll still technically be in the race for some more weeks to come but if you're five and four i think you legitimately have a shot to make that seven seed you just need to steal a couple games in that tough stretch so it's it's all about getting to five and four
1: and it starts this week You have to win against the Seahawks. You have
0: to heading into the bye, get this win under your belt. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. We'll keep breaking down Steelers and Seahawks on a later episode, so make sure you keep your eyes out for that. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Offerman, and we will talk to you on that next episode of Steelers Standard.